We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey folks, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, December 18th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Um, Derek Van Riper's back with me like every Monday. I, mean, I wasn't, Derek, nothing Friday. You guys got along pretty well Friday without me. Everything went smooth and all that, it sounds like. So thanks well, for Yeah, we had a clear one for one John swap. Yeah. Yeah, I had some, as I told you, I had some technical difficulties in my house that kept the cable. Literally, I. I listened to the first quarter of the Panthers-Packers game on my son's clock radio. Because the (laughs) TV was out, the Wi-Fi was out, and I looked, I said, oh, listen on the radio. And then I looked, I said, do I have any radio that I don't need internet for? And it took me a little bit to figure it out, that my son still had a clock radio in his room for an alarm clock. So I was able to plug that in and listen to the... Uh, the broadcast of the Panthers Packers until my cable got fixed at about two o'clock. So, well, that was a nice trip back into 1948 for right. It. Panthers weren't a team then, but same kind of experience. That's how you would have taken in a game back in the forties. Exactly. Too. So uh, nice, nice little trip in history. And how'd the day go for you? Otherwise, I mean, the, the tech the technology in your life was 
was crap. Did uh, did players step up? Did you make any finals? Did you crush any DFS contests? I did not crush any DFS contests. Um, I had two semifinals. I won one, and my second one. We're going to do the game that uh, that list plays right now with the oh, probability the win. Yeah, I'm up five. I have Mike Evans. This is PPR. I have Mike Evans. My opponent has Freeman and Matt Bryant. Mm. It's basically, I mean, you kind of expect Bryant to get like eight at a minimum, right? Right. So then it's, you are looking at a three point deficit and then it's Evans versus Freeman. Yeah. If I'm tracking correctly. So, uh, you're probably looking at like a 25 to 30%. Yeah, chance of winning. And now that all the, I mean, the Bucks have basically their whole defense is out tonight, so they're they're just going. It sounds like I, they might. I'm afraid they're going to go completely in the tank. Like last week, I said, you know what? I think the Bucks might win this game, and all the defensive guys heard. I'm going, yeah, this is this could be bad. I hope I'm wrong. But yeah, they're going to get probably get shredded. I mean, maybe maybe Jameis has to throw it 55 times and at seven yards per attempt, he. he <laughs> Get you 338, 385 yards and 80 go to Evans. I mean, like they, they don't use him as much as I think they would every single week. Right. Like most weeks they try to at least. And I don't know if Atlanta's sitting back in soft coverages. Evans could could pile up at least garbage time production. So, yeah, you're not, you're not in a bad spot. But I think the other guy is in the better position in that case. I think you're right. Um, all right. So two things, big things from yesterday. First. Uh, Antonio Brown done for the rest of the regular, the fantasy regular season. It seems like he'll be back for the playoffs. Um, calf muscle. Um, this is a big blow if you had Antonio Brown. He hurt you yesterday because he only had, what, two for 24, I think. So if you had Antonio Brown, this is, yesterday was a, just a big bummer. Yeah, he, he was on a team that I was playing in the semifinals of my home league with, and it was both the Brown injury uh, Des didn't do much either, but Russell Wilson only having 10 points in a game where they got blown out. I mean, the, the script for him to throw a ton was developing real fast. Yep. And he like either one of those guys alone could have made it the difference that I lost by in that league. And since both of them had just horrible games for different reasons, I, I ended up losing in what should have been a probably a, a 10 to 15 point win in the semifinals. So that was a pretty big blow. I had Antonio Brown in my default DFS lineup, but it didn't matter on FanDuel because Robbie Gould (laughs) was a monster yesterday. Yes. I played in one of their contests. I think it's called the the hail, the bomb. They they called the bomb and it's a winner take all five person contest. So I put an entry into one of those and because of the Robbie Gould late field goal, and I think because of the Gronk two-point conversion, those two things, I jumped over the team in front of me to win it. Nice. All right. That's cool. Yeah, it was, it was, a, nice, it was a nice way to offset the disappointment of season long, having a, a nice little uh, win in, in DFS with a contest like that. So kind of an interesting format, though. I, I was looking at the ownership rates for it. And I was the only person who had Antonio Brown, which seemed kind of mm-hmm. surprising. I mean, it's only five teams. I just assumed at least one other team would have had him. I believe I was the only team. Yeah, I was the only team that had Russell Wilson. I was the only team that had D.D. Westbrook, who didn't go off. Of right. Course, but everybody else did, as we'll talk about later. 
And I was the only team, of course, who had Randall Cobb, who had a good day for the Packers. So I don't know. I, I kind of just like that number of players for this kind of format. And maybe I'll maybe I'll play another one in uh, week 16 since it went well last week. Cool. All right. The other thing I want to talk about Steelers related, that Jesse James play. I, I, I get that it's the proper interpretation of the rule. But, man, that was a tough one because basically he caught the ball, brought it in, and then reached out. Yeah. And I know it was in the act of going to Like, I get it. I understand why it wasn't a catch. But, oh, what a, that, what a brutal way to lose. Just awful. Yeah. Isn't that – I mean, so how, how is that different in terms of what Jesse James did uh, than what Geronimo Allison did when he fumbled at the end of the Packers-Panthers game? I thought he ran and took a couple steps and just fumbled, right? I, I thought he caught it and turned like kind of turned his hips, took a step or two. There was there was like a full step or two for the defender after he caught the ball before the defender even got in a position to strip the ball from him. But I think there's still a lot of ambiguity as to what constitutes a complete football move if that football move is kind of intertwined with the process of completing the catch. Yeah. But I mean, the going the going to the ground, such a huge. I, I think the telling thing about that was, you know, afterward, I understand the rule. But when you watched it, Nance and Romo had no idea what they were reviewing. I mean, it's it's at some point, probably 45 seconds into it, someone got in, in Romo's ear and told him because they really I mean, they were going, how is that? What I don't understand what they're reviewing here. How is that not a catch? And they're what they're saying is. When they saw the review, they were saying, well, nobody touched him. So why are they reviewing it? They thought they were reviewing whether he was down by contact. Then they did. They had no clue that they were reviewing the catch. And, and I'm not I'm not beating up on those guys for that. It's just, you know, it's kind of a telling thing that basically to them, they watch and they're like, well, obviously you caught the ball. Yeah. So that's that's the state of the NFL right now, though. <laughs> we have these these little weird quirks in the rules that when enforced incorrectly or even correctly based on the, the letter of the rules, it swings games. And that's a terrible way for games to be decided. Yep. And it happened in the Sunday night game too, with that Derek Carr fumble, which, and, and you pointed this out before we started recording that play fumbles where the team driving to score, go out of the end zone. They're trying to score in and result in a touchback. I think we've seen two or three times as many of those than we do in a typical season. Right. And right. It, it's a stupid rule because it's unlike what happens with the fumble anywhere else on the field except for your own end zone. Right. I, I understand why fumbling out of your own end zone is a safety. That makes sense because if you if you didn't have that rule, teams could get in trouble and then just like fumble the ball out of bounds. Right. And, and get another play. It wouldn't be grounding or whatever. But I, you can't even... If you fumble forward in the middle of the field and it goes out of bounds, no one recovers it, you don't get the ball five yards upfield where it went out. You get it back where you fumbled it. I just don't know why that doesn't apply when you're a yard away from the end zone or inches away from the end zone. That just, seem, that just seems like it's been wrong all along. I agree. And I bet that based on what's happened with it this year, it's sort of become – Prominent and last night made it more prominent because it was a you know it, it helped Dallas playoff chances and it was a Sunday night game and all that. I bet they change it. I, I think it's time, and I think the you know the spotlight shining on it this year makes people look at it and go, you know, yeah, this is kind of dumb. 
So, yeah, that, that would be a welcome change, I think. All right. Uh, we're going to run through the rest of the weekend action. Um, but first, remember, check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhelpin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire and find our player update, any player news at Rotowire NFL. And once again, you can find us on Facebook. You can ask us questions there. You can watch our um, Facebook Live Q&As all week, all that fun stuff. All right, let's get to the Saturday games. Actually, first of all, I want to just look ahead, looking ahead to next week, to week 16. Remember, everybody, we have no Thursday game. Is this possible? There's no Thursday game? That would be a gift, really, to everybody and, and their viewing experience. Yeah, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no Thursday game. So we have week. two Saturdays, a big slate on Sunday, and two Mondays. So yeah, yeah. Monday being Christmas Day too. So there's no Sunday night game on Christmas Eve. Correct. That's the other twist in the schedule. So you have to, especially if you're on the West Coast, you run the risk of having to spend a lot of time with your family, where there's nothing to visually distract you. So you're going to find something <laughs> polite to talk about. So start right. thinking about that now. Yep. And uh, and I'm going to have games on Sunday night, which is kind of cool. See, we have a. Uh, a kind of a Christmas Eve blowout at my house that we do. I make pizza and people just come over and, you know, bring beer and wine and stuff. And I think literally we're going to have 70 people this year. How many pizzas do you make for 70 people? See, here's the thing. It's got, it might not be 70, but this year it got a little bigger because we, we invited the people in our new neighborhood. We probably got eight or nine families here. And we said to, you know, Hey everybody, you know, it's kind of an open house. Come on over. And I'm at the point this year with the amount of people that I said, now I understand I can't keep up with the pizza. I used to try to keep up. I probably made 12 of them last year, 10 to 12. And Jeez. now it's like I can't do it. And I'm going to try. I mean, I'm going to stand basically. I have a kitchen island. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to you know, crank out pizzas and chat with everybody. Um, but, yeah, I don't think I'll be able to make enough for everybody this year. I think I'm finally at that point. And I'm, I'm at peace with it. It's all right. Well, could you order some pizzas from a good place and then try to – like make a better pizza than them to, to show you to like show the neighborhood. <laughs> hey, you guys all like this pizza a lot. Mine's better. Right. Like then, then they, you know, that, that's always one of the problems with pizza. When you, when you compare them, you usually don't eat pizza from two different places on the same day. Right. So whatever pizza you ate most recently naturally rises up higher on your rankings. Yep. The white clam is the, is the killer pizza, by the way, white clam. That, that's, that's not a uh, Midwest kind of pizza. No, it's it's very. I got the recipe from a place near where I grew up in Staten Island, and uh, it's really good. If you have basically linguine, white clam sauce, lots of garlic, it's like that on a pizza. It's okay. good stuff. Yeah, my dad would be into that. We were we were on a Grand Canyon tour, like one of those pink jeep things, and there was a, a couple from Long Island who was there, and everybody on that that bus or shuttle or van thing was pretty friendly, and they they talked about some clam linguine thing. Then we had to go to the restaurant where they had it. Like so we were in Sedona. <laughs> oh, you got to go to this restaurant. You got to get their clam linguine. So we get back from the Grand Canyon. My dad's like, we're going to dinner. We're getting the clam linguine right now. Excellent. So, all right. I guess, I guess that's what we're doing. But yeah, that's a, definitely an East Coast kind of thing and, and not, not something I can find in a pizza around here. Lots of other stuff on pizzas here, though, but not that. Right. All right. All right. Let's get to the weekend action. Much as I'd love to talk about pizza. Um, Bears, Lions, Eric Ebron. <laughs> my man he's 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 perking up yeah well he did everyone the favor of, of killing them first yes i'm sure your team didn't make the playoffs so then when he could show up late you know it wouldn't matter for a lot of people 
Uh, he he was my my Gronk suspension backup option a week ago, and it went pretty well. At least, I mean, at least the target volume jumped up a little bit. This game was strange. I mean, it, it wasn't nearly as close as the final score would show you. Right. The Bears really didn't seem like they could do much for most of it. They couldn't run the ball, which was surprising to me. I, I, I think a lot of the lack of efficiency we've seen from Mitch Trubisky has to be tacked on to just how bad this group of wide receivers actually is. I, I think when when they lost Cameron Meredith and Kevin White, right. they went from a bottom five, bottom seven group of pass catchers at best to bottom one, bottom two. I think this <laughs> is, I, would you rather have San Francisco's receivers or would you rather have Chicago's? That's a tough one. And they lost Garcon. So now, yeah, that's good. Although Marquise Goodwin has been pretty good. Yeah, Goodwin looks better than any of the players the Bears have at receiver. And if, yeah, if you, especially if you count for Garcon, but even if you didn't, I think that group is more interesting. So I, I think at this point, the Bears would be number 32 as far as their wide receiver cores go. And, and again, they had two pretty significant injuries, but even even with both of those guys, it's hard to imagine that that group would have been great because with one of Meredith, prob- probably Meredith drawing all the number one corner attention, a lot would have been riding on the health of Kevin White. And I think there are plenty of reasons to wonder if he's just not the guy he was at West Virginia anymore because of all the injuries. Yeah, absolutely. You got to think, I mean, after all this time, you got to think you know, it, it's going to be lucky if he, you get anything out of that guy. Um, all right. The rest of that game was just, I mean, Jordan Howard didn't do anything for you. Theoretic didn't do much. It was just kind of a fantasy bummer. Marvin Jones started fast and then didn't do much after that. Um, Chiefs Chargers, um, big letdown for anyone banking on the Chargers. Um, Keenan Allen got hurt. We don't know his stat. I, I didn't see anything new on Keenan Allen's stats. He left with a back injury. Um, all I saw, the only reports I saw said he was in good spirits after the game, but I haven't seen any news on his injury, so we're going to have to watch that this week. Um, Kareem Hunt, baby. He was, if, you, if you've been frustrated with him recently, boy, did this just, did he just pay off. Huge. Yeah, yes, the usage has gone back up and the efficiency has been great too. I mean, the Chargers, we've talked about them as kind of a sneaky team that might get in as a nine and seven playoff team. If they'd won against the chiefs, they would have had a shot at going 10 and six. So now things are a little more complicated for them. The chargers are, are not strong against the run. That's, that's the matchup you can exploit. It's right. really hard to throw on them overall. Alex Smith was pretty effective. 7.7 YPA, a couple passing TDs. You know, Tyree Hill got one. Hunt had one. Kelsey was kind of kept in check, but Kareem Hunt did so much damage. Uh, and, and Phillip Rivers had another bad game against the Chiefs. I mean, that's just kind of I, I don't really know what to make of that entirely. I mean, with Rivers, he's had a stretch and a stretch of three games before this one where he was on fire. It was over a thousand yards in those last three games. And maybe Allen getting banged up late was part of the problem, but they didn't really get anybody else going in the passing game other than Melvin Gordon. Right. Which is not typical of that Chargers offense. Usually someone, somebody else in that group of secondary options steps up and plays well. Um, yeah, you mentioned Melvin Gordon. He was huge, especially for PPR owners. He was huge because he caught six for 91 in addition to rushing for 78 and a touchdown. Um, nice game for Tyreek Hill. He had the, you know, had the big touchdown play. Um, Kelsey was, eh, you know, so, so, um, all right, Sunday. Dolphins, Bills. Uh, what on earth is there to talk about in this game? 
Kenyon Drake. I, Kenyon I Drake's know. really good. He he's very good, and they they were. I mean, I guess they were maybe trying to make sure they didn't give him 30 touches or something. I don't really know why he barely played in the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. He should be pretty fresh. The, the Dolphins are increasingly a team that just irritate me because they they're wildly unpredictable from week to week. Right. You, you beat New England on Monday night. The defense plays exceptionally well. And then you give up 24 points to the Bills. Like what? What are they? What what's their deal? Is is it is it underperforming talent or is it a, a talent gap plus a bad coach? I mean, like what how do you diagnose the Dolphins to this point? Adam Gase seems like he's going to get fired. I think actually I don't know about that. I think they're actually a bad team that has overperformed on occasion. That's that's my take on them. I don't think I just don't think they're very good in some weeks. The the weeks that they step up seem inexplicable to me. I mean, not having a bye week. Well, I mean, it's what it's, it's what it amounted to. They just started their season a week late because of the hurricane. Not having a bye week had to have had a pretty negative impact on this team. They're two and five now uh, in their last seven. Yeah. Including that five. Or actually, they're two and six in their last eight because they lost yesterday. So. They beat a pretty bad Broncos team at home and caught a Patriots team that was probably looking ahead to the Steelers or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, no other explanation. Right. And the Dolphins played well in that game on Monday night. But the, the talent on offense, yeah, Jay Cutler's bad. Jay, Jay's really bad. Yeah. He was right to have retired. <laughs> and they were wrong to have asked him to come back. We had that to get something. Mistake. I guess. I don't know. Matt Moore, Matt Moore could have done anything that Jay Cutler has done this year. Probably true. I mean, is there any game this year where you, even the Patriots game, do you think Jay Cutler's play was the real reason they won that game? To be no. the defense just stepping up and not letting the Patriots convert any third downs. Like that, that was kind of the difference. I mean, Jay is just a even worse version than what we had before he wanted to retire. Right. And they have, they have good receivers. That, that's, that was the thing about him where it was like, oh, a two quarterback league. This is a better setup than he's had the last couple of years. With the Bears, maybe, maybe Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry and Kenny Stills and Julius Thomas, maybe that'll make Jay Cutler a viable top sixteen fantasy quarterback every week. And if you have him in Superflex, you're going to like it. No, negative, no, not at all. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I, maybe you're maybe you're right on Gase. Maybe maybe the Dolphins are just woefully, uh, you know, under underwhelming from a talent standpoint. But right. every time I watch this team, I I just I think to myself, I wish I were doing something else. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, otherwise, in this game, a uh, nice Shady McCoy, two touchdowns, nice day. Solid game for Tyrod. That, that was, this was sort of the textbook why you like Tyrod in fantasy. He threw a touchdown. He ran for a touchdown. He ran for 42 yards. It was, it was a nice effort. Um, the other guy I want to point out, um, Charles Clay. The matchup looked friendly. And uh, Charles Clay, nine targets. Five catches, 68 yards. I actually picked him up in the league to start him yesterday because I didn't like my tight ends and it panned out. Um, but he's not too bad. He's going to New England next week, though. Um, Packers, Panthers, I know we both watched this one. Um, Devontae Adams, concussion again. And uh, Thomas, Thomas Davis, as I saw one of the local writers point out on Twitter here, Thomas Davis, not a dirty player, but that was kind of a dirty hit. He shouldn't have done that. And I, th- and I think he, I, he knew it right after he did it. 
yeah, he, he knew immediately. And I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how it happens because on a play like that, as fast as the NFL is, that was the clearest possible shot where you could hit a guy anywhere you wanted. I mean, Adams didn't see it coming. He was kind of turning to run up field. And Davis hit, hit him almost standing straight up, like kind yeah. of leaned in with his helmet, got him right in the side of the helmet. Amazingly, Adams walked off, which I, he was laying there again in a way that wasn't totally unlike the time he got hit by Danny Trevathan this year on that Thursday night game. It, the Packers have a really bizarre tiebreaker-laden scenario, maybe, that could get them into the playoffs. But I'd be pretty surprised if Adams is back out there next week. But I've said that before. Right. I, I I don't like the targeting rule in college because it gets inappropriately applied a lot. Like they, they review it and still get it wrong. Yeah. I would think the NFL could do better. I would hope they need some kind of rule that deters that. It, I mean, it's just you, <laughs> Thomas Davis could have hit Devonte Adams in the, the chest, probably knocked him flat on his butt, like a, a depleting kind of block that wouldn't have caused a head injury. Maybe whiplash or something, but it would have been an easy block to throw. And yeah, you, you're right. Like on the sideline, you saw him kind of holding holding his head afterwards. Like he he clearly looked like a guy that knew he did something bad after he did it. Yep. And I know I think somebody I think it was Eugene Robinson because he played for the Packers was talking to some Packers post game people too, and he was talking about Davis as a you know Walter Payton Man of the Year. I don't know if he if he won the award or was he a did. finalist. Yeah. So he, he was it. it I think. There's 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 also this idea that you know a, a person who's a good person can't make an accidentally bad play or even an intentionally bad play. It happens. It's just just the way it is. Like I think as a football player, you're wired to just on that on that particular play, your job is to blow somebody up, and that's what he did. And he did, he did it in a way that if he could do it again, he would try not to. But it happened. And if you got Adams and you're in a fantasy championship in week 16, you're probably making sure you have a fallback option you like because the Packers may not want to expose him and he may not get clearance. Right. Um, yeah, we're going to have to wait on that. Other thing in this game, a lot of disappointments. Like if you started Rodgers, you did fine. Um, you know, three touchdowns, three picks. Uh, he actually ran for 43 yards too. Uh, if you start Cam Newton, you're thrilled. That was a huge game for him. He ran, he ran a ton and threw for four touchdowns. And that, that was sort of a perfect camp game. Christian McCaffrey was really good. I mean, he had, what, nine touches on the first drive, I think? Yeah, he was pretty much the focal point of the first drive. And then after McCaffrey was eating him up, I don't know if they were kind of adjusting the defensive scheme to make sure that that didn't happen again. But then Greg Olson just kept finding soft spots in the Packers zone. I, I was just frustrated watching this game as a Packer fan because it, it played out a lot like I expected it to the difference being I didn't know coming off of a broken collarbone, you know, and, and a lengthy absence, what Rogers would look like from a, can he make all the usual throws standpoint? And I think all three of those picks were just underthrown balls. Yes. Agreed. Where he had open receivers. Jordy Nelson had separation to the point of, he was probably going to score a long touchdown on, I believe it was the third interception down the right side. And Rodgers just uncharacteristically underthrew him. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you have Aaron Rodgers without a without a two month absence out there, that's a touchdown. Yes, and I, I think this game is totally different. So, yeah, I mean it's it's understandable why he didn't play at his typical level. I don't I didn't think the Panthers schemed in a way that was 
anything more than average. It, it didn't seem like they were getting a ridiculous pass rush throughout. They were they were getting more pressure in the second half. Yep. I think that was one of the other differences. But I, I think I expected a little more as far as the polish goes, even though that was probably an unfair expectation. Fair enough. Um, Greg Olson's back. Nine for 116 and a touchdown on 12 targets. Um, Jonathan Stewart didn't do much. Uh, Devin Funches, I mean, the guy could not have been in a better spot yesterday. If you had Devin Funches, you, you must have been drooling before that game, and he wound up with one catch. And he dropped a touchdown. I mean, he got, yeah, you know. He caught a touchdown, but he, yeah, got blasted killed. in the shoulder. Right. Um, Jordy, the, the, Jordy, the people who started Jordy because of the Rodgers chemistry did, were certainly disappointed. Probably might have lost their playoff games if you went that route. That wound up to be a bad move. Um, all right. Ravens-Browns is up next. Uh, Alex Collins, kind of a bummer. Um, unless you had him in PPR, he actually caught five passes, which he normally doesn't catch much. He normally just runs. And um, I, I guess they used at Buck Allen to run the clock out. He, he got the last, what, 10 carries or something. So Collins, I, I figured they'd, if you told me 27-10, I would have said, yeah, this is about the way I thought it would go. And Collins probably had 20 carries and that didn't work. Yeah, I, I think with, with Alex Collins, I mean, it's just kind of a, a fluke. I mean, the the Browns are better against the run than a typical bad team is. I think he can bounce back next week and everything's going to be fine. He should still be their starter. But I got to give credit to John McKechnie on Friday. He said he was fading Alex Collins when I, I was on board with playing him. And uh, I think a lot of people liked the matchup. I thought from a season-long perspective, he was a firm RB2 for week 15, and it just didn't happen. Oh, I had him seventh, I think. So, yeah. I mean, I thought the Browns had started to get worse against the run, and it didn't work. Um, other people I want to talk about in this game, Josh Gordon kind of, he's testing that theory about how bad does a quarterback have to be to make Josh Gordon. Because remember, we, we talked about Gordon, the year he led the league in receiving, his quarterbacks are terrible, but he still led the league in receiving, and now he's in Deshaun Kaiser. It's just, it's kind of ugly. I mean, I know the, the Ravens are a good defensive team. Um, Mike Wallace, six for 89 on 10 targets. So the last... Four games, Mike Wallace has 34 targets and 19 receptions. He, he's, he's startable. And for, a long, for a lot of the year, he was just he was useless. And now he is, he's actually startable. And next week, they're playing the Colts. So definitely startable again. Definitely startable there. Probably went through like a Freaky Friday thing when he was in Green Bay with, with Jordy Nelson. Like that's, that's about when it flipped, right? I mean, yeah. I, I just I'm I'm never sure of Mike Wallace because of Joe Flacco. Right. But I do think the thing I've noticed about the Ravens in the last four to six weeks, kind of going back to the Green Bay game, I guess from that time frame, Flacco has taken a few more shots downfield. Mm -hmm. When we watched them at the beginning of the year, I'm thinking like the London game and, and some other ones. They, they just they couldn't throw the ball more than five to ten yards with him. Right. Or they were choosing not to. Whether he physically couldn't do it or they were just being extra cautious, I don't know. But they've at least opened up their playbook a lot more. And understandably, Mike Wallace is reaping the benefits. Right. Um, all right. Texans Jags is up next. Um, 
blowout, which was probably not surprising. Uh, Leonard Fournette was a late scratch, I guess, early Sunday morning. We found out that he wasn't going to play, which caused a lot of people to scramble. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, I- Ivory Yeldon was it, and then Corey Grant played later and, you know, got stuff. But the touchdown distribution here. <laughs> so they scored, what, five touchdowns? Corey Grant, two for Tommy Bohannon, fullback. <laughs> One for Keelan Cole and two for Jaden Mickens. Like, what the hell? <laughs> if you, you, you basically were hoping it, the, the only people on that team anyone started were Ivory, Marquise Lee, who got hurt, and Dee Westbrook. Yeah. No, yeah. We all started the three guys that didn't do anything, which doesn't make any sense at all because the process of picking on Houston, of course, was good. Jags right. smashed them. How does Keelan Cole put up the game that D.D. Westbrook was supposed to put up? Right. Like that, that, that's that's part one for sure. Like that. I mean, Keelan Cole went off. He had a monster game yesterday. I didn't even think about using Keelan Cole. No, because of, of Lee being ready to start the game and Westbrook for me being the other guy. I thought between the two of them, they would chew up most of the production. Sure. Somebody else could could score, or, you know, make a big play. But. A huge game from Jaden Mickens, too. Like, that. that's the one that, that makes me even more mad. At least Keelan Cole's been contributing. Jaden Mickens came out of nowhere for a two-touchdown game. Right. So, yeah, don't I, don't be betting on any of these guys again. I mean, Keelan Cole is getting a little more involved, but I agree with you. D. Westbrook, you know, depends on Lee's status, which I have not seen yet this morning. Um, let me take a quick look at his player page. Rotowire, let's see. X-rays were negative. He's scheduled for MRI today. So uh, if you were playing Marquise Lee in PPR, you're probably you're probably not going to have him in Week 16. Um, other side of that one, DeAndre Hopkins, fantasy superhero. I mean, he basically he 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 defied the the horrible matchup. I mean, four for eighty and one. He didn't have a huge day, but he did enough to help you. So uh, send a big thank you out to DeAndre Hopkins. All right, Bengals Vikings. I'm so glad I didn't watch this. So glad. It looks look brutal. The Bengals are just they're they're so bad. Right? Okay, what I just talked about with DeAndre Hopkins, like he he overcame the horrible matchup. So I mean, because you had people you had people asking you last week, I bet if if they should consider someone else over him, right? Yeah, I think it, it came up. I mean, I think what it was, it was more if, if we were taking shows on Friday, instead of saying I need. I need two out of these four. It was, I need three out of five. You know, they didn't just automatically assume to start green, but they would ask if he should be part of their, their group of three. And our consensus response was, yeah, because even though he's going up against Xavier Rhodes, he's AJ green. He's the kind of player that should be able to make something happen. He should be able to get 60 or 70 yards and a touchdown. If the Bengals do anything, he's going to be part of the reason why they did it. Yep. And bummer. Toast killed you. Um, so, but again, you know, he, he killed you. Hopkins didn't. That works that way sometimes. Um, other one, Team Latavius still going strong. Uh, can't argue with that. Jared McKinnon, huge receiving day. But I can't imagine. It would have been tough to start him, I guess. I mean, just because he's been kind of up and down. I mean, pretty good. But, you know, the production's, I mean, in a game like this, in most cases. Adam Thielen, big bummer here. That, he didn't do anything. Yeah, I had Thielen going in the Stopa DFS contest, and he was among the few disappointments I had going there. So that was a 
a non-FanDuel lineup that crashed and burned pretty hard. Thielen not not producing was surprising in a game where they were going crazy. Kyle Rudolph playing after being doubtful was surprising. Yep. And uh, at least Stephon Diggs scored for those who are relying on him. I, I think the gap between Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, it's it's not as big as the production has been. I think I think Thielen's a way better player than we realized. Yeah, a year ago when he was when he was starting to contribute, but I, I think we're maybe as a group sleeping on Diggs a little bit right now relative to what he actually is as a talent. Yep. Um, Saints Jets. Uh, Bryce Petty now in I think seven games in his career has four touchdowns and nine interceptions, and he's got the Chargers at home this week. In case you're wondering, fantasy owners. Mm-hmm. Um, all the big Saints paid off. I mean, Breeze was solid. Like he's been all year. I mean, no surprises there. You know, 285 and two touchdowns. You know, it was a nice day for him. He hasn't been a fantasy superstar all year. So if you were expecting more than that, you were probably kidding yourself. Um, Two touchdowns for Ingram. Touchdown for Kamara, um, who also had six receptions. Um, I mean, other than that in this game, uh, I don't know. I mean, this is what it is. Uh, Basically, the Saints were predictable. It, It worked out according to plan for all of them. Nobody disappointed. I um, mean, the Jets, you weren't expecting much with Petty. Um, Robbie Anderson, five for 40, but, you know, um, Petty's not good. All right. Um, FanDuel, you talked about that. FanDuel's fantasy football for everyday fans. With new contests starting every week. No busted seasons. There's something for everyone with lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. So I am looking here at the winner of the Sunday Million, and he had Keelan Cole. Again, like he or she, least, I don't know if it's a he. it was it wasn't Jaden Mickens. If it were Jaden Mickens, yeah, you, you just throw your hands up and be like, really? Like, how, why? Like, why would you have done that? Like, right. there's there's game theory and then there's just being insane. Right. And, and I, I, I the Keelan Cole call is smart because Marquise Lee was banged up going into the week and Houston is just that bad against the pass where. For his price, especially, all he needed was one long TD to make value. Mm-hmm. That's all you needed from him, and he did a lot more, of course. Um, here's the Sunday Million winner. Uh, Bortles, Le'Veon, Gurley, Keelan Cole, Sterling Shepard, Marquise Goodwin, Gronk, Robbie Gold, and the Rams D. So, yep, that's a good team. That's a very good team. One, one comfortably. One by eight points. So it's pretty That it's, actually is a pretty big margin in a, in a big field tournament like right. that. Right. My game, my team with uh, Alex Collins, not so great. My, with Alex Collins, Antonio Brown, and Doug Baldwin, not so great. <laughs> yeah, Baldwin, I mean, just like Wilson, of course, didn't do anything. And Wilson was sacked, I think, seven times in that game. It was just, I I know they, they made a big deal about not paying up for offensive linemen. They made the trade for Dwayne Brown several weeks ago. One lineman rarely makes the entire unit play at a high level. It might make it you know, better than the worst offensive line, but that's one of those things that Seattle did that clearly I think has had some major downside at times and probably keeps them from being a Super Bowl contender when you pair that with you know the injuries they've had on defense to Chancellor and Sherman. Yep. Um, over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing it on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today, fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than a million dollars in cash prizes. That's with your first deposit on FanDuel. Yep, Keelan Cole won 
The username Fifth Element seventy three seventy three won two hundred fifty thousand dollars thanks to Blake Bortles and Keelan Cole and Todd Drill. Two fifty would be so good for me right now. I That'd be really, pretty nice. I could really use a little bump. Anyone, <laughs> anyone's got extra money laying around, I could I could use a little boost. Yeah. Um, again, so free six month Rotorar subscription plus free edge into the NFL Sunday million. Um, just visit fanduel.com slash RW to check that out. Void, we're prohibited. Um, Eagles Giants is up next. Uh, Nick Falls, boy oh boy. So now, what, what's your outlook on Falls? If you're, okay, I have this team where my quarterbacks all year long were Wentz and Kirk Cousins. And beginning of the season, I figured I'd play Cousins more often. Turned out that I played Wentz more often. Well, I picked up Foles last week for that team. And I didn't play him yesterday. Um, I don't think that it mattered um, or will matter. But now, actually, it could have mattered. If I played Foles, I would have been. That that was the league I told you about earlier where I'm up five. So I would have been in better shape. Coming up this week, Eagles home for the Raiders. What's your outlook on Nick Foles? Are you gung-ho about him now, or are you still kind of wary? I think it's a pretty good matchup. I mean, I think the Eagles' offensive line is good. That can probably keep the pass rush at bay. The weapons are good. The setup is just favorable overall. And as as backups go, you know, if you look at the personnel that he's stepping in to work with, it's probably better than what Case Keenum started working with in Minnesota Mm -hmm. earlier this year. So feel okay about Foles, and it's easier to say it now coming off a a big game against the Giants. I didn't have the uh, the number of lineups necessarily in daily to build one around him. It would have happened at probably six or seven different lineups. So I, I had to go pretty far beyond what I normally do to get to that point. But I picked up Foles in a league where I've got Roethlisberger as my main starter. And it might be a tough call now that Antonio Brown's probably, I think he's, he's out for the rest of the season. So with Brown unlikely to do anything, 16 and 17 count in that league because of uh, the stake stake league. So total points matter. I may end up using Foles in one of these last two games, if not both. Okay. Um, anyone worried about the receivers for the Eagles? I mean, turned out to be fine. I mean, all the Aguilar, Ertz, and Jeffrey all scored. All had touchdowns and had decent days otherwise. Um, Trey Burton got a touchdown. JJ looked like he was in a good spot and he didn't do much. Um, Sterling Shepard. My goodness. I mean, look, I mean, the Giants threw a ton. I mean, he liked through 57 times, but Sterling Shepard, 11 for 139 and one on 16 targets. That's strong, really strong. Like, does it make you want to play him this like, does Is he good enough for Patrick Peterson to lock onto this week somehow? I still I still think with with Shepard, what's the distribution of routes run out of the slot versus routes run outside? And I don't know. See, because I, I wonder if he's running some routes out of the slot, if that helps him avoid Peterson. Probably. Yeah. Um, my my initial take is that the price will be good. People might be a little afraid of the matchup, but it'll get a lot of more attention coming off a big game. So I'm inclined to fade him. Yeah, because I still don't trust Eli. And I think the. The weirdest thing about this game was that the Giants were were winning at various points and had a chance to win at the end. And Nick Foles played great, so it wasn't because he wasn't playing well. I mean, four passing TDs, no picks, didn't he fumbled once, didn't lose it. The Eagles' defense giving up twenty nine 
the Giants. Surprising, I agree. How did that happen? They bottled up the run pretty effectively. Darkwood didn't do much. Gallman only had eight carries for 39 yards, so the per carry numbers were okay. But that was the part that surprised me. The Eagles' defense being soft enough against the Giants for for Eli to have a game like that. I'm wrong. I I thought his last good game was a month ago. And here's another one. And was was there even a, a logical path to him as a tournament play? Certainly wasn't in season long. No, nobody in season long beyond like a two quarterback or a super flex league was using Eli Manning yesterday. But I'm almost surprised that, that someone who won the Sunday million instead of Bortles didn't have Eli Manning in there. Right. Just just to really mess with all of us. Yeah, that, that would have been kind of ridiculous. Um, and before and Foles is day just to to circle back on him. Uh, again, this was a game where my only viewing of it was was red zone and highlights because I was watching uh, Panthers Packers. Um, but it falls 24 to 38, which is OK. 237, 6.2 per attempt. So, um, I mean, it's not like he lit it up touchdown wise. He did. But it's not like, you know, he, he threw for, you know, he, he threw 30 times and had, uh, you know, 310 yards passing. It was a little it, other than the touchdowns. It was a modest day. Um, so maybe we shouldn't get too crazy and excited about Nick Foles. Cardinals, Redskins, this is a brutal, it's funny, it's another one, you know, I, I saw bits and pieces. It's a brutal fantasy game. It's terrible. Like there's, no, there's literally, I go through and I do the notes in the morning and I'm like, there's nothing to talk about here. Nobody did anything. Jameson Crowder, maybe. <laughs> you know, just, it's, Capri it's awful. Bibbs. Capri Bibbs. Yeah, because we're all going to pick up Capri, Capri Bibbs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, he's the passing down guy. Well, yeah, we, we talked about that on Tuesday nights. Mario and I do a show on, on NFL radio on Sirius XM. And it's just a one hour show. It's mostly waiver centric because Tuesday nights, you know, waiver night. I just brought up Capri Bibbs because he was getting an opportunity on the roster. And Mario was just like, the thing that doesn't make any sense is that neither Bibbs nor LaShawn Daniels is a pass catching back. Mm-hmm. It's not what they do. Like Bibbs in college barely caught passes at all. And I think he went to go to Colorado State or something. He went to some place so. where you would assume that the starting back just does everything because why wouldn't he? So the thought was that Samaj P. Ryan would actually get a bump up in workload. And then it was Bibbs who ended up getting four for 47 in that long 36 uh, yard touchdown in that game. But yeah, you're right. You know, not not a lot to, to get into here. Kerwin Williams got volume. Elijah Penny got 10 carries, though, too. Yep. And per carry, he was better. So you wonder if the Cardinals maybe give Penny more of a look in uh, one of the final two games. Fitz, you know, five for 60, got a lot of attention. And uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, I, I thought we could do a lot better because they have really, they, Washington, have struggled to defend tight ends this year. Just two catches for 11 yards on the six targets. So he got the target volume you were hoping for. He just didn't turn it into anything of value. Hold on. I want to see. I didn't see the snap count for Ricky Seals Jones. Oh, it'll be low. I'm sure. I, I guess within three of like 20. So 17 to 23 would be my guess. He ranked below. No, this is last week's I'm seeing here. So yeah, I don't know. Because most weeks he's been below 20. Right. All right. I'm moving on from that fantasy debacle because it's just horrendous. Um, Ram Seahawks, speaking of debacles, 42 to say, I did not see that coming. Not at all. I mean, I think the Seahawks were, I don't know if they were living on borrowed time, but, 
you know, I, I know I didn't, I, I'm guessing the Rams were the better. T- I, I thought coming in, the Rams were probably the better team. I figured the Seahawks might come away with a win. If they lost, I wouldn't be shocked. But this was, this, this was brew 42 to seven. And I will say, I got to pat myself on the back here. Not that means luck. I'm in my two, the two leagues that I care most about. I won my semifinal against Todd Gurley. How about that? Wow. That's, that's big. Huge. Because when I saw, at one point, I, 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 we were at someone's house for dinner and we're kind of checking on things briefly. And I saw Gurley's stat line. And I was like, oh, God, I'm dead. And it, it, well, I wasn't. It was great. You know why? The, other, the guy had Antonio, which didn't help. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, can, I can relate to that. And, and maybe Dez or maybe Jared Cook or, or Russell Wilson. Like lots, lots of things could have also gone with it. It's Hey, that's that's thing that's that's living your life the right way, though. If you went up against Gurley yesterday and are coming away with a win this week, you're doing something right. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, otherwise here, I mean, you know, Gurley was the start. Robert Woods is back. I think if you were you, you were probably if you, if you were a Robert Woods owner and he was doing so well early in the season before he got hurt a few weeks ago, you were probably hesitant yesterday to start him. And I'm guessing you're not anymore. I mean, six for 45 and a touchdown doesn't sound great, but. I mean, Goff likes him. So next week he plays. Where are the Rams here? Uh, I'm looking at the schedule. They're at Tennessee. I mean, I'm, I'm fine rolling with Robert Woods at Tennessee next week. Yeah, I think that's a that's a perfectly fine spot to use him. Sammy Watkins went back to his two for 14 on five targets. Nonsense. I mean, Jared Goff only threw 21 passes. Yeah. So everything got scaled down a little bit and Watkins had more targets than Cooper cup. So that's probably a sign of things going in the right direction overall for the Rams and their ability to make big plays. But for those who were really getting excited about Watkins recent touchdown binge, that was kind of a a gut punch. You could have seen it coming, but it's still a gut punch. Nonetheless, Uh, Mike Davis was kind of sneaky this week as a, a GPP running back, six carries, 19 yards, two catches, 20 yards. Nothing worked for the Seattle offense. Nothing. At all. I mean, yeah, if you, if you had Baldwin or Russ or whoever, just a disaster. Um, Pat Steelers, we talked about that a lot already, so we won't belabor this one. Um, two quick things I want to talk about. Burkhead got hurt. I guess they were afraid Burkhead's injury was going to be – was a really bad one to his knee. And, and the reports this morning are that he, he escaped serious injury, but, but you'd have to guess you're going to be without him. For week 16, and we'll know more today or tomorrow, but it, it, that's probably not looking great. Um, the one thing I want to ask you, they're playing at Houston. The Steelers playing at Houston on Monday. With Brown out, who do you want? If you, if you, if you go to your waiver wire this week and you see Martavis Bryant and Juju, what do, you, what do you do? I think I'm going Martavis Bryant, even though I, I, that's more of just playing the upside. The, the, the correct answer is Juju. Get Juju if he's available. I have this creeping suspicion Martavis Bryant's going to just have a monster game against Houston, though. Okay. He may, he may do it on half as many targets. And where they are, Juju's actually 85% on Bryant's 56% on on Yahoo. So Bryant's more, more available. And I can put in a claim for him right now in one league, as a matter of fact. How about that? All right. Um, but, yeah, that game we talked about enough. Um, you know, it was what it was. Gronk had a nice day. Um, Titans-Niners. Okay, so if you had to guess right now, you can give me a ballpark, and I'm not asking you to pull out lists of players and stats and all that. 
Is Jimmy G going to be drafted as a, as a fantasy QB1, meaning in the top 12 for 2018? Well, I think that's possible because I think they could add talent to that receiving core, whether they retain Garcon, whether they draft a top receiver, whether they sign one in free agency, whatever, whatever method they need to use. They're going to add something to that group, and it might be a significant add. I mean, what if this team, what if the Niners add a Devontae Adams or an Allen Robinson? I know Robinson's coming off a torn ACL, mm-hmm. but that's a pretty big get. And you put a, a, a good rookie receiver who can contribute right away out there. You got Goodwin. Maybe you got Garcon back, too. That looks like a totally different group of pass catchers real quick. The defense might not improve overnight, so the volume week to week could be there. Top 12 is probably about right. Okay. I think he's going to be the trendy QB2 fringy guy that, ah, I'm going to wait on a quarterback. I'm going to get Jimmy G. And I think there's going to be some leagues, maybe the NFFC formats like that, where the the ADP gets a little goofy. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be home leagues where people just crush because the league's a little slow to the ball and and doesn't doesn't really recognize him as a guy that can – uh, really make a lot out of it. so far nothing, but potentially make a ton out of a much better situation next year. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy G. Plus, everyone's going to convince that with Shanahan calling plays, everyone's going to people are going to go out of their minds over him next summer. Um, otherwise, here Mariota was kind of okay. Um, the running backs Tennessee were disappointing again. Uh, Rashard Matthews was okay. Uh, Marquise Goodwin we talked about earlier. I mean. 10 for so it, th- 10 for 114 yesterday, right? So in Jimmy G's three starts, hang on. Marquis's got to be around 300 yards, right? Marquis Good, Goodwin in Jimmy G's three starts has 319 yards receiving on 24 receptions mm. and, and 33 targets. So I like that. This dude is. They're playing Jacksonville next week, though, which you hate. But I mean, I still want to play Marquise Goodwin, and it's amazing. I, I'm, I'm, it's amazing to say that in Week 16 going up against the Jacks, the Jaguars. But I want to play Marquise Goodwin. I don't think I'm going to in the league where I'm now going to be playing for third place because of the Brown injury. I do have to find a receiver off my bench to consider. I'm Luke. I'm lukewarm on it. I just think that Jacksonville defense can present a lot yeah. of issues for them. It's going to be really interesting to see how much San Francisco can do against them. It's going to be a good test for Garoppolo. Right. Uh, I agree. Um, all right. Cowboys Raiders. Uh, the fumble touchback by Derek Carr was just. Did we talk about that before we started recording or after? That was at both. Yeah. Okay. No, we're not going to go back on that. One, but it was a well, oh, what an awful play and an awful rule. Um, Michael Crabtree. 17 targets, seven for 39, and two touchdowns. <laughs> what a weird stat line. I mean, you're happy you just started him, but it's a weird stat line. Yeah, man. They, they, they need a healthy Amari Cooper next year. Here's, here's my Raiders question for you. Just, just throw last night out. Who cares? I mean, like, that's over and done with. They're such a disappointing team this year. Are you in on Amari Cooper? If he's falling two-plus rounds from where he was going. Because he was like a mid-second-round pick in a lot of leagues, especially in full PPR in drafts for 2017. If he's kind of going mid to late round four, maybe early round five, do you think he comes back and 
returns a lot of value in 2018. Yes. I mean, he's, I don't think he's ultimately going to be as good as we hoped he would be. But I would, I would like to take that shot at him around that. Because before he got hurt, he was starting to... His, his, his volume was starting to pick up. The production wasn't great, but they kind of looked and went, we got to get this guy the ball. And I think they're going to start doing it again. I, so, yes, I, I would like him at that kind of value. I mean, anyone would at some value, but I think that sounds, that sounds really nice to me because I think the payoff could be very big. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I think they're going to make a change with the offensive coordinator, too. I think Todd Downing is a mm-hmm. coordinator now that's... That's not going to work again for another year. He was a quarterback's coach in 15, 16. This is his first year as the offensive coordinator. They took a huge step back. I just I don't think a, a first year coordinator survives, even though Cooper's health had something to do with it. But before Cooper got hurt, his usage was weird. I mean, it was like bizarre how how little he was getting targeted and how inefficient he was. Then he had that huge game against the Chiefs on a Thursday night and we all got excited and I was definitely excited about him and it just fell apart quickly right. and I, I don't I don't I, I like him too I, I think I I got lucky that I didn't really have him a lot of places this year mm-hmm. and I think the the price was part of it but the other part of it was just roster construction it, it just didn't make sense for me there were a few running backs that were going around that same time that I liked a little better and that's ultimately why I steered away. It wasn't that I thought Amari Cooper was going to be a disaster. I just had, I, I felt like there were similar receivers available around later and two rounds later, and I wasn't missing out that much if I passed on him. Okay. But like everybody else, I I didn't see it coming as far as a, a collapse of this magnitude. <laughs> right. Um, other thing, by the way, uh, Cowboys, we didn't talk about much. Um, Zeke back this week, home against the Seahawks. So that's pretty huge for people. So if you had Zeke and you, and you still survived, congratulations, you're here and you're getting him back. And, and according to his news on his player page on rotowire.com, he, is, he has been doing, quote, intense training in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico over the past six weeks. It's not a bad gig if you can get it. No, that sounds great. It's a funny place to go do intense training because it seems like your your after training hours time might be uh, yeah counterproductive to your intense training. But <laughs> hey, good for him. I guess so. Um, Falcons, Bucks. Uh, we talked about the uh, the Tampa Bay injuries tonight. I mean, do you think that's a, it's? I, I have for some reason I just have a hard time seeing Matt Ryan blowing up tonight, even though the right. the the the, the, the there's reason to believe he could with this opponent. I'm just not buying it for some reason. Is it just the get a lead and then run the ball like crazy script that you're worried about? I think that's part of it. I mean, he hasn't gen- the thing with him is he hasn't been throwing a ton all year, you know? Unless yeah, it's, it's kind of breeze like where the, the step down has been just mostly volume driven. Right. So, I mean, I mean, last time he played the Bucks three weeks ago, uh, he threw for three seventeen and a touchdown. That was at home. I think the score was what thirty four to twenty in that one. Um, so, I mean, it's you know, it's it's a friendly opponent for sure. I just I don't know. I'm looking at his road games. He wasn't. He was okay at Chicago. Uh, the last few road games at Seattle. At Seattle, he threw for one ninety five and two touchdowns. Again, he didn't throw a ton. 
Um, and Coleman's still out tonight, right? Yeah, I believe so. So would you would think? I mean, Devontae Freeman would would have a would be ready for you know another one. That, I mean, logic says he'll have a big game, but I don't know. I still like Jameis this week. I I liked. I mean, the last couple of weeks is, he's been pretty solid, and I think he's going to have another solid game, fantasy wise. Anyway, I mean, he might throw two picks and fumble twice for all I know. But yeah, I, I kind of expect the turnovers. But yeah, I, I would agree. I think the, the the attempts will be there. Right. All right, folks, listeners to our podcast can get a free 10-day RotoWire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. Um, that lets you check out almost all the features on the website. So take, take a look right now, rotowire.com slash pod. Um, what do you got going on next couple of days? We're getting people ready for week 16. For those of you who are still alive, we're happy to help. And we've got some uh, – who leads off Facebook Live Q&A on Tuesday? That's, uh, that's Jake, right? Yep, Jake's got the, the Facebook Live Q&A Tuesday. And I believe it's John McKechnie on Thursday and then uh, Tim Heaney on Sunday. It might be a little different this week with Christmas Eve. You might do it a day early or something. Got to check the schedule on that. Uh, film review goes up later in the week. Weekly rankings, DFS tools. So, yeah, if you got eliminated, play, play a little more DFS in week 16. Yeah. You know, find, find, find something that'll fill the void. Play FanDuel. Go, to, go get that free six-month Rotowire subscription. And the free entry to the NFL Sunday Million with the with your deposit on FanDuel, right? Yeah, do it. All right, I'm in. Um, although I made I have an account, so I can't get the benefit of that, but I'll still play. If you're in the Sunday Million, I'll see you there, everybody. All right, folks, if you like this podcast, please keep leaving us reviews and ratings. We really appreciate them. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Our next episode is going to be coming on Tuesday. Jake Latarski and I will talk about your waiver wire options for Week 16. You're going to want to check that out. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.